One, or two, or three, or four, but five, force five. Welcome to the Force 5 Podcast, a show where I challenge my guests to come up with a movie-themed five list, and then we discuss those lists on air. I'm your host, Kleberg, and today my guest is Musa Mahmood. How's it going, Moose? Good, man. How are you? How's everything going? You know, things could be better in the world, but I guess I'm all right. Uh, yeah, that's a very true. I mean, we, I think we could say the same, uh, or I could say the same for myself. But no, certainly. I mean, in the, this current climate right now, um, you know, we should all be taking the, you know ourselves a little more seriously here. But it's also it's also important to have a little bit of a break time, you know, and then you know, men- mental breaks if you want to call it right. Exactly. Um, so this show is just about movies, and it's just about people who want to talk about them. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the movies we've been watching recently, and then we're going to go over a top five list. And that's why it's called Force 5, because I've forced you to come up with a topic for our Force 5 list today. And uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about you? Um, Who are you? What do you do? And why do you love movies? Well, uh, my name is Musa. Um, I uh, work at Best Buy. Uh, I've been there for many years. And uh, one of the many things that I loved working there was uh, basically kind of all the uh, access I would have to all the media that uh, I generally watch, whether it was video games, music, or movies, especially, obviously. So, um, and I would say that um, even though I would, I would say that my movie watching, you know, um, you want to call it hobby or passion about it, started a lot later than I think most people did. I never really got to go to the movie theaters. Uh, I think I can only recall going to the movie theaters once when I was a young kid of, at, say, five or six years old. And the first ever movie I ever watched was Dennis the Menace. Uh, yeah, that was like the first uh, uh, that. Uh, no, I take that back. It wasn't Dennis the Menace. It was uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It was that one. Yeah, which I loved. Oh, wow. I, I, I was I was really young. I remember seeing it in theaters. So I, and I think that movie came out, what, 89? Yeah, so over 89, I was six, probably Ooh. then, five or six then. And you saw that at um, five or six? Yeah, that was the first movie I saw in theaters. And uh, and then I would say that, and, and then one convenient thing when I lived uh, throughout my throughout uh, middle school and high school is I lived right across the street from a movie theater. And uh, my brother and I would uh, go every Tuesday because they had $2 Tuesdays. So we get to go see, you know, we kind of collected up our uh, allowance or any savings or any work we did and and Tuesday was the best day to go because it was super cheap and uh, you get to go see every movie that would be in, you know, in the house. So, um, but I guess the reason why I love movies, obviously, I think it's, you know, would be apparent to many other people. But, uh, you know, I, it's a way that a, a way to kind of transport yourself into another world, another person's imagination. Um, it's it's I love seeing great acting um, movies, you know, as far as that are. With serious drama, serious actors, but at the same time, um, I love the roller coaster stuff too. You know, with great action movies or, or uh, you know, uh, fantasy movies and such. You know, so um, you know, and as as I got more and more into knowing about it, reading about it, um, almost wanted to you know do something even in high school, like as far as like uh, taking theater classes or anything like that. Um, um, it's just kind of you know, it's just stuck as a general you know passion of mine or, or a hobby of mine that. I still continue to, uh, you know, 
watch movies and uh, talk a lot, a lot about them when I have other people who I can find with similar, uh, you know, similar uh, uh, interests or stuff. Yeah, and uh, full disclosure, Moose is my best friend. And yeah, most of the theatrical experiences I've had in the last, shoot, 10 years have been with you uh, probably longer yeah, than that, probably, probably 15 like 15 years. years. 15 years now, yeah. Yeah, when you mentioned uh, browsing the media aisles at Best Buy, I, I was right there with you. Yeah, no, certainly. And we spent many, many hours in those aisles. Yeah. Obviously, still a, a big passion for you. Um, why don't we move on to what we've been watching lately? So um, what has been on your plate? What have you been consuming in this uh, quarantine time? Um, well, I will say that for a lot of people, I think similarly, I, I think uh, I did start uh, rewatching some shows that and I think I've already gone through. Just it's you know, one thing that can kind of comfort you, I guess, you know, in a time of um, uncertainty, you kind of get back to something that felt familiar, felt normal. So, you know, I would, you know, kind of peruse through a lot of episodes of uh, either Simpsons or or The Office, like comedy shows particularly. Um, and obviously, as kind of the timing was good in terms of when it came out with the Rick and Morty. I love that show. It's one of one of my favorite shows of all time right now. And um and it just, you know, the last uh, the final episode of this season uh, just was uh uh just aired this past Sunday. Um but those I would say especially from uh you know uh comedy or just TV show uh stuff that's been what I've been watching. Um and movie wise I've been kind of also doing some reruns. I've purchased some movies that I've always planned to buy. Uh, to have a digital version of them so that way I can, you know, watch them anywhere I, I can go. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. A lot of them, you know, like I just recently bought uh, Fight Club, uh, bought Lawrence of Arabia. And those are movies I've always seen years ago and that I had on DVD, but wanted to just at least have a digital version of it that I can see anywhere I wanted to or just immediately uh, watch. And um, yeah. And uh, one show I would very much uh, say so that I, you know, um, on Netflix, it just reappeared, even though I own it on Blu-ray. But sad to say, it's I, I think I've gotten lazy enough to where I don't want to put the disc in or get up and put a disc in. That's how, you know, convenient Netflix and all the streaming services have become. Uh, was the show Avatar, uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender? Um, it just reappeared on Netflix. It was on it years ago, but uh, just reappeared again, and uh, I've just been binging that as well. So, um, variety of things I would say, primarily whether it was animated stuff, TV shows, but as well as movies that I uh, wanted to back up on the digital catalog. And I've been just rewatching those as well. That's awesome. I um I've seen a lot of the Simpsons recently just because of how they have predicted a lot of the future. Oh my God, yeah. And scary it's almost. uh, yeah, it is definitely scary. I guess if you put out thirty years worth of content, you're going to come up with some things right, that are yeah, right. But it is point. scary how much they are. Yeah, it's true. on point about certain things. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I mean, at that point, you could blabber everything. You, you you can say or want, but eventually something may come true, you know, no matter how, you know, precise it could be. But that's the scary part is how precise it is, you know, like, you know, yeah, it, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, there will be a cataclysmic, you know, natural disaster in, you know, 2020 or something like that. And, you know, vague about what it is, but OK, you know, whether it's a earthquake or the Australian wildfires or, you know, the pandemic, you know, that was I was not a lucky shot. I would say, OK, that was bound to happen. But predicting trump would be president like holy shit right yeah that's uh pretty specific yeah pretty specific. specific you know they could have said uh president regis philbin or something like or some other you know popular 
you know, celebrity character, or, you know, like, uh, you know, personality, but geez, how pinpoint that crazy, that crazy. So, um, so I've been watching, I, I've watched a couple things this last week. Uh, I have watched the Amazon series hunters. I finished that up again. Uh, I watched it once. It is. Yeah. Al Pacino, uh, is the lead in there. Well, He's not the lead. He's one of the main characters. But he's advertised as obviously one of the main cast because obviously he's Al Pacino. Yeah, he has. He definitely has the name. He has the star power. I watched it once um, right when it first came out. I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it, it, it handles the tone a little bit weird sometimes. Like it bounces from very serious, really hairy, really scary stuff to really like over the top comedic. And I think most of the time it balances it well, but there are some times where it, the tone gets a little wonky. Um, watched it again recently because my wife wanted to watch it and she really enjoyed it. So if you're into like seventies, it's kind of like exploitation. I know that I've heard it called Jew exploitation, um, which is kind of funny. It's, it's a fun ride. I, it's just, takes itself it doesn't take itself really seriously got it despite the subject matter though yeah so like i said there there is some like really crazy stuff in there and it's really like sad and and uh it's tough to watch at times but there is a like uh the pendulum swings the other way for the comedy and it goes really over the top sometimes so if the tone is right for you i think you'll enjoy it um that's Hunters. You can find that on Amazon Prime. Uh, also been watching two other things. So the first one is a movie called Tone Deaf from 2019. Have you heard of this movie before? No, this is new to me. I've never heard of it. I've lived a good life. I've done it all except for one thing. I don't know how it feels to kill someone. That's an itch I never got around to scratching. Friday. I deserve that meal. Please don't make me call security. Tone Deaf is a horror comedy. It's by a director named Richard Bates Jr., who I just became familiar with. He has a couple of movies that I want to check out called Trash Fire and Excise. Uh, but Tone Deaf is his newest movie. Stars Amanda Crew and Robert Patrick, the T-1000. Ooh. And... Um, Tone Deaf is essentially, oh, it's the best way to describe it. It's a horror movie that pits a millennial against a boomer. It's, it's the basic premise is that you have this girl who wants to get out of the city for the weekend. Uh, she's just been let go from her job and she needs to kind of decompress. And she decides to go onto like an Airbnb type of website and rents a place outside of LA and a place called Peru where she's going to spend the weekend in kind of this old antique house. And Robert Patrick is the homeowner. Uh, unfortunately, he's a bit unstable. And it's got all these tropes about, like, millennials, and then it's got all these tropes about boomers. and Okay, boomers. Um, yeah, and at the end, it actually basically has that line before it became popular. No way. It started off really strong. Like it starts off with a lot of really good com comedic moments. And after the first like 15 minutes, I was really impressed. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. 
And then it kind of falls into some territory that's a bit uninteresting. And for me, it does one of those things that I think horror movies can't do is when I turned the movie off, there's nothing that I thought will stick with me afterwards. And I think all great horror movies that I've seen have at least one scene where you never forget that scene. Would you agree with that? I totally agree. Yeah. If if you can't recall like a specific thing about a horror movie, um, like, like you said, whether it's a scene, a line or an image, then, then what was the purpose? Cause I think that that's, I think that sometimes the point of a horror is to like, to ingrain something like in your psyche so badly that, you know, you know, you, that you would say if this happened in real life, there's no way I would have survived this or, you know, I've kept my cool or whatever. Right. Yeah. And for me, a, lo- a lot of those are, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be like a shocking, gory image, but if you think about a horror movie like Jaws, for example, everybody knows the music and everybody thinks of that when they're in the ocean or if you, hell, we still talk about scenes from like hereditary. Oh my God. Yeah. Where, you know, at least in my mind, I've got at least four scenes from hereditary that will never leave my head. Yeah. I, I would say at least five, maybe six. And God, it's probably one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Uh, Midsummer, you again another one where you have these scenes where you watch it and it's like oh okay yeah. that's I'm never going to be able to unsee that yeah exactly to me tone deaf did not have any of those moments and when it was over it it was it was like one it was like 15 minutes of a great movie and then it was an okay movie I still want to see his other movies he's a, definitely a, a talented filmmaker. This one just didn't really work on a on a huge level for Did me. The script just get weak, you think? Like, just was it hard to maintain? Uh, it's a really simple story. It just didn't have like it didn't have enough to interest me. I also was very annoyed with both characters, which I think might be the point. You know, as you know, you have this stereotypical millennial, and then you have this stereotypical boomer, huh. and it, that might have been the point is for I you to dislike. Ger- I don't know what's the word generational warfare type of thing as opposed to class warfare, which. Maybe the same thing. I don't know. It was supposed to be more like a generational warfare, but I think it could have been done differently. Um, and, you know, the re- the reason that the boomer, Robert Patrick, well, I don't want to spoil anything. It's, yeah. I would have gone a different direction. We'll just say that. Okay. Um, so I, I would recommend checking out Richard Bates' other stuff, Richard Bates Jr.'s other stuff. He... A lot of it's gotten amazing reviews. This is his lowest reviewed uh, movie, but definitely a talented dude. Um, so I'm going to check those out soon. Um, the other one that I've been, the other one that I watched was in preparation for this episode because I wanted to surprise you. Right. Um, one of one of my biggest movie blind spots has always been Citizen Kane. Yes. Okay. So I sat down and I watched Citizen Kane yesterday mm-hmm. in preparation for this, and. I have to say, like, I watched the movie and then I thought, well, you know, I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I have to appreciate that any movie before it was different than when Citizen Kane came out. And then everything after Citizen Kane has been more like Citizen Kane. Yes. So I think that because I started watching movies in the eighties, you know, it had been 40 something years. Well, yeah. 40 years since yeah. citizen Kane came out in 41. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't get the, like, 
I guess I never understood the impact that it had, but now after watching it, I see, okay, uh, before Citizen Kane, you didn't have these broken narratives. Right. You didn't have your Pulp Fictions, right? Yeah. There was nothing like that without Citizen Kane. Oh, yeah. Um, you, the twist ending, for example, which, you know, one of those endings where one of the reasons why I was never interested in watching the movie was because I knew about the ending because it's been in everything. It's been in the Simpsons. Like I knew what Rosebud was. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the mystery of the whole film is you, the very first scene you hear Mr. Kane's last words, Rosebud. And then the whole kind of thing is trying to figure out what Rosebud is and try to try to figure out the mystery behind this, you know, uh, otherworldly person or otherworldly personality. Right. Yeah. This, this media magnate and, when it was when it was over, I thought, well, you know, I it was it was fine, but I probably wouldn't watch it again. But on the other hand, now that I'm thinking about it and doing a little bit of research on it, uh, it's an important movie. So it's not one that I'll probably revisit. But now I'm able to see the influence that it's had along the way, and I guess I appreciate, appreciate it a lot it, yeah. more than yeah, I, just reading about it. I will say I I have the exact same almost word for word what you just said was exactly my take on it for the most part i mean i remember renting it on dvd or so and i had the same like okay i I mean i thought it was kind of boring i thought it was a little slow um but once again it's just whether it was a storytelling the way that certain shots were shot uh because i felt like almost every movie before that that i'd seen you know i mean i i can't say i've seen a ton of them so i mean i'm a little ignorant i guess in that in that aspect but if I saw any movie that took place in the 30s, whether it was Wizard of Oz or Gone with the Wind or any other movie you could think of, you know, before Citizen Kane, it just looked like it was on stage, you know, like you watched a play that just yeah. got recorded, right? You could clearly tell there's a painted background. It looks like they're inside some sort of studio with, you know, uh, you know, a bunch of props and all that kind of stuff there. And you didn't see a whole lot of shots taken outside. Once in a while you did, you know, but it wasn't, you know, but most of the time that, that sound was dubbed. It wasn't very... It didn't sound good. You could tell that they were just recorded over their their recorded their lines over the the shot, and you know so on and so forth. So that's to me like I think one key thing that made Citizen Kane feel a lot different to me as far as how it went um, and how it was. Um, and, and that's the key thing. I think that's just important to know. Um, you know, if if there's a reason why movies became such great storytelling tools. Um, you know, whether for fiction or nonfiction or, or, you know, whatever it may be. I I mean, I think Citizen Kane, we we owe a lot of it to Citizen Kane. So, but I, yeah, like I said, I think I had an exact word for word reaction like you when it came to it. I think I understand its importance, very much appreciate it. I don't think I would put it on any top five list of my own, but once again, I very much respect what it did and how it allowed to make the movies or influence the movies that I do love. Um, as is now right yeah and i was i was actually surprised so i afterwards i was doing a little bit of research on it and i wanted to see how many academy awards it had won Uh yeah Uh, are are you aware of how many it won i think i looked this up before i you'll have to correct me if i'm wrong i thought it won none or maybe one like best screenplay and that's it you're right you're right it has had one for best original screenplay which to me is funny because you know you look back well, heck, you look back like now, uh-huh. and the one that won Best Picture was 
a movie called How Green Was My Valley. See, I've never even heard of that movie. Like, I, I, I'm, yeah, I probably looked it up back to when I saw Citizen Kane, and I said, man, this is on, like, every critics or every, you know, like, Library of Congress top 10 movies of all time type of thing. You know, it's it's always in the conversation about that in terms of the, one of the greatest American films ever made, yet the Oscars, it, I never even heard of that other movie. What was it called? It's called How Green Was My Valley. And not only did it beat out uh, Citizen Kane, it also beat out the Maltese Falcon, which I know that uh, you've probably heard of as well. I've heard of it, not seen it. I, that's, um, but yes, I've, I've heard of that one though. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Like Oscars, obviously, you're supposed to make any movie that come, you know, that wins the awards almost like a historical commemorative movie to watch of all time. But that's sometimes not the effect every year if you think about it, right? Oh yeah, you know, look at 1998. <laughs> oh yeah, look at yeah, look at the what was the one that, well yeah, the Green Book. You know, I mean, I have still yet to see it. I'm sure it's a fine movie. I mean, I'm sure it's a good movie, but just very like nobody even considers it like a movie that was that, that worthy of it. So. Yep, and then in 1998, you had uh, Shakespeare in Love beat Saving Private Ryan. Oh, yeah, see, and and everybody can remember seeing Saving Private Ryan and how how that basically influenced every war movie since then, like that wanted to come out and be like it, right? For, you know, the following 10, 15 years. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say Shakespeare in Love didn't influence movies with, with that. Genre. Oh, I don't think it influenced anything. I, I, I still think a lot of Shakespearean movies came out, but that's despite the fact. I think that still Shakespearean movies were still been made regardless of the fact, right? Oh yeah, they've been made for years and will be made yeah, for years. Yeah, I don't think that Shakespeare in Love did it. It was a good. I like Shakespeare in Love. I did watch it. I liked it. I mean, I thought it was a a good movie. I just didn't think it was better than Saving Private Ryan for sure. I think we can all agree there. Yeah. yeah. Let's get into your Force Five list. So I give the guest the option of picking the list, and then I just go along with what they say. Uh, I said it could be whatever you want. You just got to be passionate about it. So why don't you tell about the list that you chose for today? Got it. Well, obviously, you you alluded to it a little bit just a few minutes ago um, about, you know, uh, keeping your list a surprise to me. But my list was um, uh, something that basically is for movies that you haven't seen but have to see or like almost like you're obligated to see. You You worded it better than I did when I pitched it to you. But essentially, like movies that you think that you have to um that you like you owe it to yourself to watch whether it's something that you would generally are interested or not so for example us being both big big movie buffs or fans in general and we 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 don't watch in this case we don't watch movies due to the trailer itself we watch movies because of the writer or the the director or or actor involved you know we and if we don't even need to see what it's about we'll be interested in it uh, maybe just to hear a little synopsis or just a snippet of what it's about but um, so that's kind of where I felt I put the list to it is just movies that you feel like you have to have seen, but haven't seen yet. And, uh, if that makes sense, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I took it as, you know, movies that movies that you want to see, but for some reason just haven't Yeah, like those movies that have been blind spots and you've had the chance to watch them. And for some reason they've just slipped through the cracks for one reason or another. Right. Right. Um, I, I do have a question. How did you go about making your list? That's one thing. Like when, when you when you thought of it, it was just like you already had in mind. Sh- shit, I have already like a like. I mean, I have a phone. Li- I have a list on my phone of a ton of movies every year that are you know out, but I want to see and I've yet to see. But 
How did you come up with this list, especially when we're talking about even if it's something classic, something that didn't get released just you know last year, but 10, 20, 50 years ago? How did you make it? So I've got a lot of movies on that list, just like you do. I keep my own tally kind of in my head. Right. Um, the way that I whittled down my list is, number one, it's got to be a movie that I really do want to see. Um, there are some, and some I'll mention on my honorable mentions, that I haven't seen and people are surprised that I haven't seen them but I don't want to see them. Right. Um, and then I tried to go with different genres for my five. So for example, you know, I didn't have all five action movies. I have one from a couple different genres just to kind of highlight where those blind spots are in those genres. Got it. Got it. Okay. I would say I kind of followed something similar like that. I, I think I wanted to see movies um, that if you want to call it, had a lot of cultural impact. Uh, something kind of like what you said about horror movies, that there's something you always remember about it. doesn't necessarily mean it's a horror movie, but it could have been something that just became like a, a catchphrase for the decade, you know, or, uh, or, or, or just something that everybody remembers of a scene or, you know, like a saying that like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn or something like that. And, you know, who knows, right. But just something that, you know, was uh, that. And I think the other way I also looked at it was I kind of looked at, uh, you know, some major directors that I'm a big fan of and like try to find out like, have I seen all their work? And if I haven't, what should I have seen? Right. Sure. Sure. Well, um, why don't you kick it off with your number five? Uh, tell us what you want to see, but just for some reason haven't. Right. Are we going in any particular order or is this something that I should have, I guess one question I should have clarified. Am I going in order or is just, these are my five in no particular order. You know, I think for these it's, it's, you can't really have an order because we're, you know, they're just five movies you haven't seen. So you can really go in whatever order you like. Okay. Well, yeah. So I, yeah, I guess to that, to that point, I, these are nothing in any particular order. Um, you know, take it for, a, you know, as ever, however you hear it, but uh, these are movies that I have not seen, but need to see. Uh, so the first one I would say is the movie I've not seen, um, but I have to see uh, would be Casablanca. Casablanca, city of hope and despair located in French Morocco in North Africa. The meeting place of adventurers, fugitives, criminals, refugees, lured into this danger-swept oasis by the hope of escape to the Americas. But they're all trapped, for there is no escape. Against this fascinating background is woven the story of an imperishable love and the enthralling saga of six desperate people, each in Casablanca, to keep an appointment with destiny. I was willing to shoot Captain Rhino, and I'm willing to shoot you. All right, Major, you asked for it. I have not oh, wow. seen the movie. And I know yeah, I know no and I know you and I talk about it quite a bit. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, you 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 loved it. I thought you thought it was a really good movie. Um, I do. I love Casablanca. Yeah, I, I've yet to see it, and um, I didn't have access to it, really. I never really wanted to go out of my way to rent it from a DVD back when, like, Blockbuster or Hollywood were still in business. You realize I own this movie. Do you? And I can give it to you at any time. <laughs> well, I guess that's great. I mean, although now I do subscribe to HBO Max, and they do happen to have it on their classic movie list. So, ah. um, so now that's... You know, there you go. Like the the the, the wonder, wonderful age of streaming has made it convenient for me to be able to see it. So, 
but that's the first on my list. And of course, I know quite a bit about it. I don't even know exactly what it's about, but you know, I kind of you know heard of all the quotes and heard of all the things. And so I think that's kind of one major reason why when people refer to Casablanca, I just don't want to be lost so much about why do they refer to that. So I think that's why I owe it to myself at least just to see that. So I know the cultural references that you know I I must have heard so many times but went over my head, you know, because of it. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic movie. I have the Blu-ray of it and the transfer now, which I'm sure is probably the same transfer they have on HBO Max. It looks fantastic, even you know it's fifty plus years old. What, what year did it come out? I don't. I, I don't it came know out that. in 1942. So just a year right after Citizen Kane. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. I didn't think it was that old. I thought it was more of like in the 50s or so, which not to say that it's much newer. I mean, of course, that's even that's still pretty old, at least comparatively um, for us. But OK, I'm going to have to check that out. I, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because, you know, like I told you, I just bought um, some a lot of classic movies that I, you know, I was trying to get digital versions and I just got Lawrence of Arabia, a 4K version of it. And it looks fantastic. I can't believe how. They're able to completely remaster and how detailed it looks from a movie that I believe was filmed in 1962, you know, so that's almost 60 years old now, if you think about it. Right. And damn, it still looks really good. Yeah. Casablanca is like close to 80 years old and the, the it looks amazing. And shout out to HBO Max, too. Yeah. I, I went through their classic film section and they have quite a few. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to be, you know, um, going through quite a bit of that backlog, you know, just because of that. Which is uh, which I can appreciate. Awesome. So you're number five, Casablanca. Casablanca. Never definitely need to see it, but I have not. My number five film is an animated movie from 2001 called Spirited Away. Walt Disney Studios presents a Studio Ghibli film. Honey, don't take a shortcut. You always get us lost. From master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki. What is it? Come on, let's go in. I want to see what's on the other side. Where are you going? Hey! You said just a quick look. Now let's go back. You shouldn't be here. Get out of here now. What? Leave before it gets dark. You've got to get across the river. Go. I'll distract them. Master Haku. No! I just want to help you. No! In worlds seen and unseen, where spirits are transformed, <laughs> and sorcerers rule. <laughs> the witch Ibaba controls you by stealing your name. If you completely forget it, you'll never find your way home. Your name belongs to me now. One girl's future depends on her judgment. Aren't you getting wet out there? I'll leave the door open for you. Um, this is a Miyazaki film. Um, are you familiar with Miyazaki films? I, I'm, I know of them, but I have not seen any of them. So he's like a prolific animator. A lot of his movies are really, really highly rated, like a lot of critical praise for these. Spirited Away, I think, is like the highest rated one. Um, he also did uh, he My did, Neighbor uh, Prince, Totoro. Princess Mononoke, I think. Yeah, Princess Mononoke. Oh, yeah, Mononoke, yeah. I've just heard a ton about Spirited Away, and it's been 
one of those movies that's just escaped me um spirited away from 2001 and now that i have a kid i think as he gets older well i guess i take that back because i don't know anything about it so i don't even know if it's like appropriate or what age it would be appropriate for yeah that's my number five have you you said you haven't seen it have you seen any of his movies no so i'm gonna jump a gun a little bit here that was my number four (laughs) yeah so i mean and i specifically didn't put that particular movie i i uh, I know i've heard of it but i didn't know which one was like if i was to ask a huge miyasaki fan like hey what's the first movie i should watch i don't know what it was so i even just because it's the first one that came to my head was the princess uh, mononoke or rononoke yeah mononoke yeah and and i've heard so much about those animated movies and um i've really wanted to see them and i've never really had a chance and i think if i'm not mistaken hbo max has those again so oh i did not see that I think they're on there. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I'm almost certain at least a few, if not all of them are on there. And um, yeah, and so it kind of got me excited. And I'm thinking, yeah, I owe it to myself because, you know, I, and I I hope that at least for, I, I'm not saying I, I watch all anime, but I watch a few here and there. I'm wondering if the ones that I do like have had a lot of influence from this, from this director specifically, whether it's the animation style or storytelling or what. But yeah, I, I and I didn't like I said, my, mine to me is more like the whole series of all Miyazaki movies, you know. So whether it's Spirited Away or or any other one that came out recently, um, I'm, I'd really love to watch them. So uh, you know, and usually like if you ever try to look it up on uh, Blu-ray or so, I've, I've always remembered the Blu-rays being quite expensive. They're at least like thirty dollars, at least you know, like forty dollars, you know, as far as just for a just one movie as it is, almost like Disney prices in a way. And I usually you know, stray away from, you know, paying that much for a movie. I'll just wait till it goes on sale or so. Sure. Yeah. But if it's streaming available, that's, that's, that's awesome. I mean, what, what, um, I should say like, what shows do you feel like maybe that you watched, whether it's animated or, or not, like probably felt like they have some influence from this. Tough to say. I'll, I'll have to watch it and then, and then let you know, I'm well, you know, my anime background is very limited. Right. Right. Same here. Yeah, I've seen Akira when I first started getting into movies. So that was like maybe 99 when I saw Akira. So I don't remember anything about it. I saw Ghost in the Shell, the original Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, I did see that one. I like that one. Around the same time. That was a big influence of The Matrix, if I remember correctly. Yep, yep. And then I've seen, um, oh, Ninja Scroll. Ninja Scroll is another anime that I saw, like super violent and super bloody. Got it, got it. That's my number five there, Spirit Away, and your number four. Yeah, my number four. So I, I just find it like as soon as you said it, I was like, wow. <laughs> well, maybe once this quarantine lifts, we can watch it together. All right. Sounds like a plan. So I'll move on to my number four, and this is going to move on to the horror genre. Um, one that I'm still surprised that I haven't seen is Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. The Johnny Depp one? Wow. Yeah, so I've seen... Uh, I've only seen one Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and it was Wes Craven's The New Nightmare, and it was only because my brother rented it, and I don't even think I watched the whole thing. That's the only one that I've seen. I've seen, like, the Jason Friday the 13th series. I've seen the Halloween series. I've seen the Hellraiser series, but for some reason, I've never watched the Nightmare on Elm Street series, Mm. which is strange to me, even, because, I mean, Freddy Krueger is one of those iconic characters that no matter what age you are, you know about Freddy Krueger. I, I would say that um, remembering a lot of those movies, whether it was Michael Myers or Jason or 
whomever. To me, Freddy Krueger was the scariest. Like I, I remember when I was a kid and I had you know going over to friend's house and they start watching it. Like I, I was terrified. I'd close my eyes and put, plug my ears with my fingers, and especially every time a Freddy scene would come on or so. And yep, I I could not watch it when I was younger. It was it was too too scary, too horrifying. He was probably the most yeah, he was the most terrifying of all those, you know, movie horror villains or horror characters to me. So um but I guess that means it, was, it did its job. I guess it was that good of a that good of a character, especially like with his deep voice and just the way his face could see. Because everybody else was more of a masked, you know, you couldn't really see their whole, you know, emotions or so. But Freddie, oh, you saw everything. So yeah, and he had a very iconic, very unique weapon, too, with that glove. Yeah, most certainly. You know, the other characters you could run away from, but Freddy's just going to get you when you go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, that's the scariest part. Like, I, I, there's no way I can't go to sleep, right? And and, and any time that does happen, I mean, how, how do I get out of it, right? And um, I don't know. I, I think it was a very unique character on his own. I mean, of course, it's a little campy to certain parts, especially the newer ones. I don't know. If you ever seen even like the crossover stuff, like um, what was the one that he had? Uh, Freddy versus Jason, I think. Did you see that one? No, the o- the only one I've ever seen was the New Nightmare. Oh, got it, got it. It, it obviously it gets to a point where it got campy, you know, where um, you know anything he said or did or the way the actors or the other um, characters on movie just you know it's just like I wouldn't do that. Just like any other typical '90s or '80s horror movie, they just do the opposite of what's logical, but. He he still just doesn't like you said doesn't matter. He was super scary. Yeah, so that's my uh, that's my number four, Freddy and Nightmare on Elm Street. It's funny it, we're kind of following a similar theme. Or well, obviously your number five was exactly like my number four, uh, but my other one. Uh, so I guess you can say my number three um, was uh, Dial M for Murder. Uh, which oh, is Hitch- cool Hitchcock movie, which I know you love a lot of his stuff. And you've always recommended to me, and I hope that these, I, I don't know if these are on any current streaming services, but if they're, if you own it, uh, then I will gladly borrow it from you. <laughs> that one I do not own. Oh, got it, got it. But it was, to me, the, the, the way I kind of came about this is because I know that, obviously, Hitchcock is such a uh, influential figure, director in, in the thriller slash, not a horror movie, but, uh, well, he was a horror. More, su- more suspense. More suspense and thrilling, you know, um, you know, type of movie. So, um, and I think I just kind of wanted to look up what was probably considered his highest rated or most well, well-received one. And I think it was this one. I could be wrong, but, um, but it sounds, the, 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 the title sounds interesting enough to make me want to watch it nonetheless. So, and if, especially if this was one of those, a unique or new way of storytelling in a, in a movie, or a show, then you know I'm all for it just to see how it influenced any other following thrillers or or, or horror movies, so to speak. And uh, what Hitchcock movies have you seen? I don't think I've seen any. I I think I picked this one as to be the first one I want to watch. I guess I've never seen Psycho. I've never seen the I forgot what the one the name with the with the birds, the crows. I don't remember that one. But you know I I know of I like iconic scenes of it, or I've probably seen it just because of whether it was parodied or uh, or uh, just, you know, uh, recreated to some degree, right? Um, right, right. But, yeah, I, I think that's just, I was like, man, I need to see a Hitchcock movie, and let me just start with this one. So that'd be that'd be one I, I'd want to start with. So The one with the birds, by the way, is just called The Birds. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> birds, I, the movie. I, if I was going to guess that, I was going to not live that down like I did Tank. <laughs> <laughs> Tank, the movie. 
tank the movie. Hitchcock's got a, a ton of great movies. You can't really go wrong. Dial M for Murder is fantastic. And uh, yeah, when you when you do watch it, let me know. Okay, now that I now that I think of it, and I remember, what's the one where the train one, I think, uh, you mentioned to me that, that you thought was, I think you mentioned this is your favorite Hitchcock. It is. It's called Strangers on a Train. That's my favorite Hitchcock movie. Okay, so that'll probably be the other one if I was to like, you know, wh- whether it was this one or that one, that'll be the first two movies I'd have to watch. Yeah, Strangers on a Train, such a good movie. I think that one's 1951. So I think that one was before Dial M for Murder, which was 53. Question, did did Hitchcock, Hitchcock have any um, any work in like the Twilight stuff, Twilight Zone show? Did he have any involvement in that at all? Or was it just more of a, that, that was kind of its own thing? I don't think he had anything to do with the Twilight Zone. He did have his own show called Alfred Hitchcock Presents where it had very similar stories. Is that the one where the beginning of the show, like he walks into his... Uh, his, his uh, little den or whatever. Yeah. Well, no, like the beginning of it would be like his silhouette that he walked right up to, right? Like with his nose pointed up. Yes, yeah. That was a silhouette. And then he it would it would come in with an intro of him in his den and he would talk about what you're about to oh, see. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. that Maybe that's what I kind of mistakenly thought that they were the same, if not similar, you know, to, to each other or had some sort of involvement, but... Same type of thing. Like uh, Hitchcock Presents was definitely the same type of anthology show where it's just, you know, different, its own thing every week. So my number three is going into the Western genre. Um, Westerns, for me, have largely been a blind spot. I've only seen like the real famous ones, um, especially back past like the year 2000. I mean, I've seen Unforgiven. I've seen the Man With No Name trilogy. But what I haven't seen, but I really want to see, is Once Upon a Time in the West from Sergio Leone? Sergio Leone directed it. Spaghetti Western. And the reason that I haven't watched it is because it's like three hours long. That's true. Yes. It's a very long movie, but it, I know, has influenced a lot of current Western movies. I hear it's got an amazing score, really great direction. And overall, it's just a very highly rated movie. It's always been on my list to watch. And I've actually started it twice. 
And for some reason, each time I got cut off and never went back to it. I've only got like 20 minutes in each time. So this is one that has just slipped through my fingers as I've tried to watch it. And at some point, I will go back. And that has the, the that very famous uh, that very famous intro music, right? The with the with the flute and the the harmonica, right? I couldn't even tell you. Like it's been so long since I tried to watch it. Hmm. But yeah, this is one that has. It's always every time I see it somewhere, I see it on on a streaming service, or I see it at a store when I'm browsing the movies. It just like makes me upset that I haven't seen it, but for some reason I haven't gone back to watch it in full. I'm very surprised because you have definitely seen way more Westerns than I have. And I would say I've seen all the famous ones, like, you know, like you said, like 310 to Yuma and, you know, Unforgiven and, uh, you know, just a number of those kind of movies. And even the more recent ones that were fantastic that I thought were great, you know, um, uh, more recently done. But I actually, in fact, have seen this movie. It's been a very long time since I have, um, but I do remember enjoying it quite a bit. Um, I, th- I think you'd like it a lot. You know, one thing I always found it odd is that uh, why did it always seem to be, I don't know if every single Italian uh, or every single um, Western was directed by an Italian guy, but I always wondered why the Italian, you know, cinema was so interested in making, you know, spaghetti Westerns as it is, you know, even though I don't think that sort of culture or lifestyle ever existed in Italy, would you say? I think it was more about making movies that the Westerners would So I think it was more about making movies that people would want to see because they were seeing what people in the West were making. Hmm. And they did it on a really, traditionally, they did it really roughshod, really quick. Right. They'd spit them out like two months, three months production and boom, there's your new movie, right? Yeah, exactly. I watched, I went on like an Italian crime movie binge not too long ago. And I mean, these things had to have been shot, no permits. Just drive your freaking car through the street. And if you hit somebody, you know, we'll just keep driving. $1,000 check. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. They, um, yeah, I think it was the same way. Like they had different waves and the spaghetti Western was one of those waves. And they would bring in, you know, if they could, they would bring in American actors, pay them a lot of money like Clint Eastwood and Henry Fonda right. and make these things. And yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that. I don't know when that stopped because they went through the spaghetti Western phase. They went through the crime phase and then it just kind of died out, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say I'm terribly familiar with a lot of the Italian cinema now. I mean, I could probably tell you the last Italian movie I've watched was um, Life is Beautiful, actually, now that I think about it. Oh, yeah. Great yeah. movie there, too. It's a great movie. Yeah, of course. And But they're, they're so, you know, it, it's they're... Um, not as, of course, I mean, Hollywood obviously is the most, you know, popular throughout the world. And then you have Bollywood from India, and then you have Nollywood from Nigeria and stuff. So there's, I, there's other movie, um, you know, uh, if you want to call it countries, movie industry that seem to outshine it or outperform it or out um, produce it, you know, uh, currently. And, you know, not to say that that's a bad thing. I mean, but I would like to see if, if Italians can make Westerns like that quite a bit. I'd love to see what else they can try to make. Yeah, they got a lot of good, uh, a, a lot of good crime movies that you know. When you're ready to take that jump, you let me know. I I give you some good directors to look at. Uh, so on to your number two, yeah. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned. Uh, you, you, it's almost like you're predicting my list at this point because you mentioned this movie just uh, a little bit earlier uh, right now, and 
Um, one movie that I have not seen yet that I have to see um, is Jaws. There is a creature alive today who has survived millions of years of evolution without change, without passion, and without logic. It lives to kill. A mindless eating machine. It will attack and devour anything. It is as if God created the devil and gave him jaws. Uh, oh. you this is a bit ago, and I was almost like, are you reading my list or something? <laughs> And and this is again one of those the way I kind of how did I look it up I I look at just you know directors that I loved you know and I, I love Spielberg and you know I've seen almost pretty much everything of his I would say and then out of nowhere I just look at this I'm like how the hell have I not seen this and I know this is one of the first movies that really put him on the map as as a you know popular or very you know well renowned director it was one of the very first blockbusters yeah actually this I think this movie is the one that kind of created that term if I'm not mistaken right. This and Star Wars, I think, kind yeah, of coined yeah. the term. Yeah, you're probably right. And and, and it's funny, like you know, uh, he, I've I've seen parts of Jaws here and there. Like I remember in in college, I took a music class, and uh, it was you know about it was kind of like like um, almost music history type of class, but it was a lot of it was classical. And it's funny how he mentions you know, uh, they brought in a scene from the Jaws scene, the famous the dun dun. And the music that, everybody knows. Yeah, the music everybody knows. But this guy was a very weird professor. He 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 really points out. He goes, you know, that music wasn't composed for the movie. It was not like it's it's an original piece before that from this famous German composer from 400 years ago. All they did was take that snippet of that, and then add it to the scene, and you know, do that. And and obviously, he played us the whole thing. And then played us the scene of Jaws just to show you like what part they took out, but it does it doesn't matter. I mean, at this point, that that's all everyone's ever going to know it for, right? Um, sure. You know, it's kind of like the flight of the bumblebee or whatever. That's a that's also an orchestral piece elsewhere, but everybody knows it as that commercial that every, uh, that 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 music they use in commercial when someone looks like they're in a hurry. It, it's it's like an actual music piece that people would go and I don't know back in the 1700s and like you know golf clap at it and just watch with their you know little visors that just like oh that's a great music piece and then but here we use it in commercials now just you know so shamelessly so but you know and that's the thing like this music piece now is not known as the jaws song or the jaws you know theme right and uh but nonetheless it's like you know all the famous things i'm we're gonna need a bigger boat to the music to just how scary it was and um and, and now i think it's on netflix so i definitely now have an opportunity to uh check it out so i definitely need to you know fill that void so I can uh, um, understand even more of the, you know, uh, influence I had, you know, throughout, you know, the 80s and, you know, and, and, and movie cinema. And is there other other than like just kind of forgetting about it, is there any reason why it's been a blind spot for this long? Maybe that was probably, you know, quite frankly, I think one of it was because I probably watched Star Wars, you know, at one point and you and I both have the same exact opinion of this. I think Star Wars is terrible. Um, and I think after watching Star Wars, and I'm like, this movie sucks. Like, of course, 
of course, I probably watched it in 2000 something, you know, so I rented it right. back when it was already 30 years old. So the special effects to me didn't carry over nearly as much, nearly as well as, you know, people who saw it back then when it was like so new and fresh and it really felt like you were in space, I suppose, or whatever, right? So I, when I watched Star Wars, I said, this sucked, you know, like, so then I'm like, I don't want to watch Jaws. That shark probably looks hella fake as anyways, you know? So I think, I think that probably maybe a reason why I didn't, but then again, that's kind of me not giving credit to Spielberg, who's, you know, I think he's an amazing director and I think I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't doubt him with, when it comes to like making something look real or making something look convincing or at least still entertaining me to some degree, right? Regardless of the special effects, right? Sure. So I think that's probably why I, I kind of held off on watching it. But I, now thinking about it, I, I definitely should go and see it. So my number two is a movie from 1954 called Seven Samurai by Akira Kurosawa. Hmm. Um, are you familiar with Seven Samurai? I've heard of it many times, yes. I, I think that it, it was influencing it quite a bit in actually even um, Westerns, right? If I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, uh, the the most famous Western is uh, The Magnificent Seven. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the one I couldn't think of the name. Which I guess is kind of kind of a remake, like a Western version, essentially, of Seven Samurai. But Seven Samurai is another one of those ones that I remember hearing about it when I started getting into the Criterion Collection DVDs, which must have been 2002, something like that, when I started getting into those, maybe a little bit later. And Seven Samurai was one that I was really interested in and started reading about it. The reason I haven't seen it is because it's like, again, three and a half hours long. It's a really long movie. Right. But in terms of the influence that I've heard it has had on action movies, you know, you think about it's gotten shout outs for the Lord of the Rings movies. It's gotten shout outs for like Mad Max movies that Tarantino movies. Yeah. Tarantino has even um, talked about seven samurai yeah Uh, the matrix movies have elements of the seven samurai um it's obviously got a ton of influence and it's always been on my list of things to watch and for some reason i've just never sat down to give it a go and that's uh the the length is daunting though right yeah it's one of those things man and i got a two-year-old at home so it's like you know, I'm going to start watching this three hour movie, three and a half hour movie at like, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. I might have to do it in a couple of a couple of nights the way things go. But, you know, at some point I got to sit down and watch Seven Samurai. And I I'm hoping that it's three and a half hours where I also like the movie. And it's not like my two hour and 15 minute adventure with uh, with Citizen Kane, where when it's over, I'm like, well, I didn't really like it, but I respect it. Right. I really hope that it's one that I enjoy watching for the for that time. But right, yeah, right. Seven Samurai. Yeah, and 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 you know, it's kind of like everybody's flavor or everybody's taste of what was a good movie. You know, if you look at it, well, how old is this movie again? Was it made in the fifties? You said fifty four. Yeah, fifty four. So obviously, there was no such thing as like Rotten Tomatoes or you know Metacritic or things like that that you can base it off of. So even if you were to see scores like that currently, that's probably for more recent reviews or recent people who like say hey just a you know rehash of this movie and hey look it's a 95 on rotten tomatoes it's it's kind of still hard for you to you know take that as it is right you know you 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 still wouldn't be certain that you'd like it right yeah yeah it, it, to me it's like you said three hours it's it's kind of daunting it's not like a show even if you watch a show that had hour-long episodes but you could still hour at a time it's bite-sized because they end the 
that episode, you know, at a at a good point where I can't do that with the movie. I can't stop it right at the one hour if I chose it because what if it's in the middle of a an important scene or in the middle of a dialogue that like would just you know not not be right to you know pause it and then watch it a day later, right? Yeah, and this uh, it's three and a half hours long. Like that's a lot of time to invest, but yeah. You know, you mentioned the Rotten Tomatoes score. I just looked it up. It's 100% on Rotten Holy Tomatoes. Shit, wow. And it's got, you know, over 60 reviews. And the audience score, which also sometimes is different from the critics, audience yeah. score with ninety over 90,000 user ratings is 97%. Wow. Okay. So I think I'm in for a treat. I was going to mention, I think this one also appeared on HBO Max. So oh, there we go. I think, I think we're kind of in luck, especially just now that it's appeared. So, um, but I'll, I'll double check. Obviously, I'll let you know. Um, and it's funny you mentioned because now that there's also a um, uh, uh, a PlayStation game that's coming out this summer uh, called Ghost of uh, Ghost of Tsushima uh, that I'm really excited for. It looks really cool. I've seen some previews of it, and it looks fantastic. You know, open world game that takes place in Japan, and you're naturally you're a samurai, which looks like it takes place you know d- during the you know uh, I think feudal Japan period. And they mentioned they mentioned in the game. Um, or the game uh, developers mentioned that there's actually like a black and white mode and kind of almost like a video editor function of it, uh, a la like the GTA one that you and I used to mess around with, you know. And they they made it seem like as if you can kind of create your own, and they mentioned Seven Samurai's action scene or like just amazing vistas or amazing views or screenshots if you chose to do so. Uh, And you could play the whole game that way if you wanted to. So obviously it once again, a game that hasn't even been released yet that's coming out very soon, and here we are. It's just it seems to have influence on what people can do with the game or how to make it look, and you know, I, I think that probably makes me even more eager to go and see that one as well. So, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta sit down and, and crank that one out. Yeah. All right, uh, your number one, and. Before you before you talk about your number one, is there any reason why you saved this one for last? Um, not necessarily. I like I said, I kind of just I kind of went out of order, especially because when you mentioned uh, Miyazaki movies, that one I had on just the list as well. I think that was like my number four or so, anyways. But you know, obviously, I wanted to mention it, say what a coincidence or so. But I don't have a particular one. Well. I think one reason why is because it's from a director that I really, really love and respect, but um, it's not necessarily his specific movie. You know, he just, I think, helped write it. And I, I think you may know which one I'm referring to. But uh, it's from, uh, it's the movie True Romance, uh, which you know, written by, uh, the script, I believe, was written by Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino, um, yeah. And uh, it, I don't remember who it was directed by. I didn't look up the specifics to it. But directed by Tony Scott. Oh, okay. There you go. Tony Scott. All right. So, you know, very, very capable director. Um, but I just thought, you know, I've seen, I think every other Tarantino movie that exists, but even though, you know, and, you know, I don't, can't say I've seen every single one that he was, uh, well, what do they say that when he would do like that? What was the one with, uh, Oh, with the Quentin Tarantino presents stuff. Presents, yeah. Like that. I don't take any, like it's an easy cash grab where he just, hooked up his friends like Riza with that one movie that uh, the man with the iron fist or whatever it was called, you know, which I thought that movie was pretty lame. I thought it was, that know, movie was not fun, even though Quentin Tarantino decides to attach his name to it. Uh, but if he actually was involved in making it, whether it was from writing or directing or both, which usually is in the case, then I definitely would be interested in it, obviously. So, uh, and this is one uh, that I have not seen of his once again, kind of looking up, you know, big directors that I'm a fan of and, 
um, and just seeing what their general work that, you know, like I said, a, a big gaping hole that I, that I should have seen. And this is one of them as well. Uh, I, I'm, I'm almost certain you've seen it and I, I, believe I have, yep. you loved it. So, um, but yeah, I think, uh, and I honestly, I don't even know what it's about, but obviously both you and I, you know, kind of tend to stay away from knowing what movies are about anyways, until we actually watch it. Um, but yeah, I don't need more to know. I don't need to know more than that. It was written by uh, Tarantino. It sounds like it has a very interesting cast and I'm down to watch it. You're going to love it. It has a fantastic cast. Um, tons of people in there, including one of my favorite James Gandolfini roles. Oh, wow. Ever. Um, yeah, really good stuff. And there's a ton of like guest stars in there that are only in it for a very split second. Like blink and you miss them. But stars today, well, throughout time that have had their own movies, like they're leading actors and they're in like five second roles, like Brad Pitt, Val Kilmer, like were they tons leading, of people. Were they, oh, okay. So if that's the names you mentioned, they were leading role men back then. Was it, is there like, would you say without saying, were there leading role men currently, but back then they were not? Uh, Brad Pitt, I don't think was leading, was a leading man yet. And this is 93 when it came out. So he didn't really start leading stuff until around 97 with like 95 to 97. Yeah, he had uh, he he was in some starring roles, but I don't think he was as famous yet. Um, like I think he was in that movie, The River Runs Through It, which I think was yeah. ninety two, and then I think he was in Legend of the Fall, which was ninety four or ninety three. But you know, um, and those were like drama, like you know, very slow drama, you know, like almost romantic drama type of stuff. I think, um, and then then obviously I think his first major hits were between Fight Club. I don't remember which came first, Fight Club or Seven. Um, and I think that's what like kind of put him on the map at that point. You've got uh, Gary Oldman's in there. Oh man, oh. in a small role, Samuel L. Jackson's in there for like a split second, blinking you miss it. Like, oh, there's so many people in there. It's such a good cast. Well, now it's made me excited. I don't know where. Uh, if you have this movie again, I will gladly borrow it from you. <laughs> I have this on DVD. Uh, the Blu-ray, I looked up the Blu-ray not too long ago and it was out of print, so I couldn't find it at an affordable price, but yeah, I have the DVD. Next time you swing by, we'll, uh, we'll throw on True Romance. Very cool. Oh yeah, that's, that's definitely one that I've, uh, always had in mind and, um, I think that's the main reason why I never got around to it. It's just, I never had access to it. I never either had a DVD, um, or it never was really anything on any streaming services, at least to my knowledge. And uh, obviously just out of sight, out of mind, you know, so if even if it was available at some point, I probably didn't see it or just didn't, you know, think to watch it or look for it. So, but yeah, it's one that I definitely think that I, uh, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get a chance to, to watch and, uh, and enjoy. I'm, I'm assuming I didn't very much enjoy it. So my number one, I actually moved up the list this week. Um, when I first started thinking about this list, it was near the bottom, but I wanted to save this one for last. Number one, because I think it's going to surprise you because of the director. And then number two, just because of the current climate that we're in. And it's a Spike Lee movie called Do the Right Thing. Ooh-wee. It's going to be a scorcher today. Universal Pictures presents a new film from Spike Lee. Good morning, Miss Mother Sister. Now, Mookie, don't work too hard today. The man says it's going to be hot as the devil. I've been here 25 years. The South's famous pizzeria is here to stay. Trust me. Mookie, the last time I trusted you, we ended up with a son. I 
You want brothers on the wall? Love. Get your own place. You can do what you want to do. What I tell you about that noise? What I tell you about them pictures? You called some brother talk to him. You the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. No, you the man. The first time you turn your back, boom. Right here, man, in the back. Y'all take a chill. You like to sign a petition to boycott Sal's famous pizzeria? Hear me, what you ought to do is boycott that no good barber that messed up your head. And that's the double truth. Wow. Um, now I'm not, tra- you say wow, because you know, I'm not traditionally like a Spike Lee fan. Yes. I, I have seen a lot of Spike Lee movies. I've seen, uh, Inside Man, which I thought was okay. I saw 25th Hour. I've seen, uh, he got game? He, yeah, I saw He Got Game in the theater. I saw Clockers. I've seen, uh, shoot, Girl 6. I think I even saw the theaters like back in the mid nineties. Huh. And I even, I even saw the, well, I can't say I've seen the whole thing, but I watched a little bit of the Old Boy remake from 2013, which I thought was terrible. Did you ever watch Malcolm X? No, I haven't seen Malcolm X. That's, that's my personal favorite Spike Lee movie. You know, and, and I'm not, I don't hate him, but I don't think, I don't love his stuff. You know, sometimes it's just, his stuff is pretty good, like really good. And then some of his stuff is just, oh, wow, like it was terrible. Did you watch Black Klansman? No, but I, 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 didn't watch it mostly because it was Spike Lee, and I, I'm just not a Spike Lee fan. But I think I'm gonna have to get over that and watch that. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think I think you should give it a shot. In my opinion, well, Do the Right Thing is one of his most critically acclaimed movies, and it's about racism in a Brooklyn neighborhood. That's really all I know about it. Because, like you said, we go into movies kind of unsullied like we don't like to read about movies or watch trailers so yeah i don't know much about it but i do know that on my feeds a lot of people have been saying hey it's time to watch this movie and uh i think that that's going to be one that i visit soon do the right thing from 1989 uh and it's just you know with everything going on right now it's important to have different perspectives and obviously spike lee has a very strong perspective um, from his you know where he grew up it's almost appropriate to watch it now, I would say, right? Yeah, like, you know, this has always been one of those ones that I've been curious about, but now it's it's just, it's time. So, yeah, I think I'm going to tackle that one uh, this weekend. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think, as you mentioned that now, um, I think one of the actors in that movie uh, just passed away recently. Um, Danny Aiello? Yeah, that, that's him. Yeah, he just passed away, like, maybe a month or so ago, and and they mentioned him being, like, um being in that movie and uh and i think I'm, I'm assuming he plays a certain role in it but it's funny however they mentioned him he's he plays a very sounds like a very similar role in the movie i just watched recently uh was harlem nights with uh, eddie murphy and richard pryor oh yeah yeah which I, I thought it was enjoyable i thought it was actually pretty fun to watch um but yeah yeah now that you mentioned that like that just rings a bell that he passed away just recently so why don't you uh recap your five uh, Casablanca, uh, Dial M for Murder, uh, Jaws, True Romance, and then any of the Miyazaki animated movies, which whether it was Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke. And uh, yeah, those were my five. And my five were Spirited Away, Nightmare on Elm Street, Once Upon a Time in the West, Seven Samurai, and then Do the Right Thing. 
Um, did you have any honorable mentions? One that were ones that were close to your list but didn't quite make the cut. Uh, one I do have one. Um, mine was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I know I know there's a, a, a almost a whole series if you want to call it of the movies of, of different Monty Pythons. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, there are. And I think this is probably the whether it's the first one or the most popular one or whatever. But I feel like there's a ton of you know, obviously with both the, you know, all the different comedies that you and I are, you know, love and, you know, like to watch. Um, I felt like there's probably a lot of references in those shows or uh, comedy movies that we see that probably whether they took influence from this movie or, um, you know, just maybe the certain type of satire or what. But um, yeah, Monty Python, at least the Holy Grail one, it was one that I definitely wanted to see, or at least it was kind of an honorable mention uh, to be able to, uh, you know, just get see what the whole big deal of, uh, of uh, about it was so yeah that's a good one i i've seen that one that's the only monty python movie that i've seen but my dad made me watch it a long time ago and there's a scene in there that i still quote today one of, again one of those things that sticks with you oh yeah God. and you've probably heard it too just a flesh wound oh <laughs> yeah. right so that's from that movie and you'll see the context when you see it uh and yeah, Monty Python, the other, the other more, po- well, I wouldn't say more popular. I think Holy Grail is the most popular one, but they also have one called Life of Brian that's uh, really popular as well. Um, so I've got a couple of honorable mentions, ones that I thought might make the list at one point, but then I moved them off. Um, the first ones I'll share are the Rocky movies. So I've never seen a Rocky movie. Mm. And the reason I didn't put it on the list is because I really don't have a desire to see the Rocky movies. I know what happens in most of the Rocky movies just because of pop culture. I just don't really have much of an interest in seeing eight movies of Sylvester Stallone getting beat up. Sylvester Calzone. <laughs> and I've also got on there uh, Vertigo. So that's one Hitchcock movie that I haven't seen. Got it. I've got Four Rooms. Have you ever heard of the movie Four Rooms? Is that a Tarantino movie? Part of it is. So it's four different movies, four different like short movies. Uh-huh. And one segment is a Tarantino part. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is this the one that has a cover, at least a cover of the movie, like Tim Roth and what looks like a bellhop yes. uniform? Okay. So I know what you're talking about then. Yeah. I've never seen this or heard of I've never seen this. I don't even know what it's about, but I always thought it was another Tarantino presents type of thing. I don't know if he directed it or wrote part of it or neither i don't know uh well tim roth as i understand it tim roth is like the bellhop in this hotel and he's kind of the link between these four stories that happen i see i know that tarantino directed one fourth of it i know that robert rodriguez directed part of it and then there's two other people that directed the other two parts again it's one of those ones where like i probably should see it because tarantino is my favorite director of all time but i haven't seen it because i have no interest number one in what i remember the story was about and then number two it's supposedly awful i'm looking at the rotten tomatoes score right now on here and again rotten tomatoes is kind of an aggregate aggregate you can't really take it that seriously sometimes but at 13 percent, holy shit probably not great that uh and then madonna stars in it i'm not a huge madonna fan when it comes to acting Thanks for coming on with me today. Uh, Again, this is Moose, and uh, this probably won't be the last time that you're going to be on. So i got to imagine you're going to already be thinking of some top five lists for the future. Oh, for sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and I look forward to coming back.
Well, hey, I give, uh, I'm going to give everybody like 30 seconds at the end to kind of plug whatever you want. It could be something that you love, something that you've done, or just something you want to bring attention to. So is there anything in the world that you want to plug or uh, tell people to go see? I would say for everybody, I think there's a lot of fans of it already, but I would definitely tell people to check out uh, Avatar The Last Airbender if you've never seen that animated uh, series, uh, originally a Nickelodeon show. Um, and it's odd for me to kind of obviously mention that because uh, but i i can't ever recall a show that had like adults and and you know kids uh watch it together so much me and all my siblings watched it every single episode that when it was released back in 2005 and 6 and even a follow-up series uh only because it's uh getting a lot of hype netflix is apparently doing a new live action uh version of it that's going to involve the original create creators um Will it be better than M. Night Shyamalan's version? Let's just say that uh, if there was such thing as a Men in Black, you know, eraser memory type of gun thing, I would have done that the moment I walked out of the theaters if I had that opportunity. But uh, unfortunately, yeah, he did not do that movie or that series any justice whatsoever. Um, and that's kind of, unfortunately, that's the only one that people will ever refer to, uh, to it. But, you know, I think that if anybody were ever to, it's funny, I mentioned this to Jackie uh, to say like, when uh, Jackson gets old enough, you know, I'd say maybe four or five years old, maybe six or so. I think this would be a show that both, you know, parents and he would enjoy very much. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, so that's one I would say if people don't haven't given a shot, I would definitely say give that a shot. And you can stream that now on Netflix, correct? Yeah, it's three seasons and all three seasons are currently available on Netflix. Yeah, and if you if you like that too, The Legend of Korra is another Avatar show and that's on Amazon. Yeah, uh, I uh, both series I thought were amazing. Obviously, the original one was just kind of set it all off, and but I would highly recommend it. I think that you know, first off, it's animated from uh, I believe a Korean animation studio. They've they're they, just as like for someone like you who loves you know artwork and loves um, you know um, who can appreciate art like that. Like the animation is fantastic, especially when it comes to the action scenes and how creative the choreography is and how well they make it look it's it's unbelievable and um i think uh, even aside from that the story is fantastic so uh yeah so anybody who's interested in a, a very good series definitely check it out well hey thanks for coming on remember anybody can be a guest on this show the only requirement is that you love movies if you have a five list you want to tackle you can email me directly at force5podcast at gmail.com or even better check out the website at force5podcast.com which has a show request form and other movie-related content. Until next time, watch movies. What I need is a woman who can think and fight and chew gum at the same time. <laughs> Force 5.